welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potzagire, your host, an artist and educator. This is a very special episode with Laura and Matt Grundler. I was so excited to speak with them. We talked about helping kids navigate a world that wasn't built for them as both parents and teachers. Laura and Matt both shared their paths as artists and educators, which included struggles with school and learning challenges, giving them empathy for students. I also loved hearing about how they weave visual journaling into not only their curricula, but also their lives. They both talked about journaling to process emotions and information, and a beautiful collaborative journal practice to continue learning about each other. And today I learned about Wakelet and TweetDeck, so they are teaching me this whole Twitter thing. If you missed our Twitter chat, we actually did a sort of reciprocal back and forth. So you're going to hear them today, but I will also be on their podcast. So Laura and Matt Grundler run the creativity department and the K-12 art chat on Twitter. And a few weeks ago, I hosted a K-12 art chat all about teaching and art making. As creative collaborators and arts advocates, Laura and Matt Grunler strive to help connect the dots for educators by building a professional learning network infused with art. They understand the power of creativity to transform learning and work to empower educators to leverage this power. The Grunlers are art educators from Plano, Texas. They are also proud parents, bloggers, and founders of the popular Twitter chat K-12 Art Chat, and the Creativity Department podcast. After teaching middle school art and high school art, Laura received an MA in Educational Leadership and worked as an assistant principal before moving into the role of District Visual Arts Coordinator. Matt started as a graphic designer. However, after finding the commercial side of design to be unsatisfying, he soon found his niche as a K-5 art teacher and now teaches middle school art. Both Laura and Matt are passionate about raising their three creative kids, sharing their love of art education with their professional learning network, and continuing to grow every day. Their school district has recognized their work, featured in the local press, and honored by Texas Art Education Association with the second ever Lone Star Advocacy Award for their commitment to arts education. They have also been recognized by the National Arts Education Association with the Art and Technology Community Service Award. Laura and Matt consulted with and wrote for the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM, Scholastic Arts Magazine, Adobe EDU, and Davis Arts. Their latest project is K-12 Art Chat, the podcast in partnership with Davis Publication and School Arts Magazine. The Grunlers have a passion for working with creative educators, 
consulting and presenting about creativity, arts education, and STEAM locally in Texas and throughout the United States. Let's hear from Laura and Matt. I'm excited today to talk with the Grundlers. Matt and Laura Grundler are here, and I can't wait to hear more about sort of your journey. I've listened to a lot of your podcast, which is the Creativity Department, and K-12 Art Chat, both yep. really amazing things that you do. But I want to hear, you might have shared this in your own <laughs> podcast, but sort of your journey. And maybe maybe we can start with Laura and then go to Matt. Like, yep. how did you get into both teaching and art making? So I think one of my earliest memories of art making was my mom was really supportive. And I, I think I was probably like three or four. And I used to sit on the kitchen floor and just draw. And, you know, we had this giant window in our kitchen and it was just like, those are my memories of sitting in the sun on the kitchen floor Mm -hmm. and and drawing with my crayons. And she was always really supportive of that. And I struggled in school and she was just always my champion. And so Mm -hmm. she really recognized that art was a, a happy place for me and that it was a safe place and it was somewhere that I was successful in school. So she, that's, I think that, that it was kind of inevitable at, at that play, you know, that success, that feeling that I always wanted to create. And I was also, I'm not a good sleeper. And even as a kid, I wasn't. So I would, I would make art in the middle of the night. Um, one time I cut my finger really badly and had to go to the emergency room. That was one time she was not happy with me, (laughs) but I, I was just always making stuff, creating things. And in eighth grade, I won a big state competition and that was like the, the nail in the coffin, I guess. Like it was this, yeah, yeah, this is my thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I just always knew art would be a part of whatever I did. So I went to college in Colorado. I grew up in Oklahoma, went to college in Colorado and I was undeclared because honestly, my mother was a teacher and I said, there's no way I'm going to be a teacher. That is not something I'm doing. Uh, She worked her tail (laughs) off. Yeah. And I would see her, you know, working all hours and she would work growing up in Oklahoma, the pay for teachers is it's still pitiful, quite honestly. And so she always had a lot of extra jobs and I just wasn't going to do that. And then, of course, I started taking a lot of art classes, even though I was undeclared because I knew art was going to be a part of it. I just didn't know what like I didn't know, you know, what in the art field. And so and then I became an orientation leader and a resident advisor and all of these things where I was teaching people all the time, yeah. all the time. And I thought, all right. And it was, it just made sense that I was a teacher, like in my mm-hmm. core. And so I became an art ed major. And in Colorado at the time, you double majored, you did an art degree and an education degree. And it was wonderful, actually. I, I give a lot of credit to a lot of my success as a teacher of having you know, a full art degree and a full education degree, because I think that that really helped me be prepared and successful. We also just had, we went to a very, Matt and I actually met in college. And so we went to a very small university. And I think that that, that environment helped us a lot. So then I, I started teaching middle school art and then moved to high school art. And, and the rest is kind of history. For a little while, I thought I was going to be a principal and then <laughs> decided that was not for me. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm still in the leadership admin world, but, you know, doing the the supervision of uh, right now, I think I have 96 art teachers. So 
Um, And I love them all. They're amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I love that. And I feel like that echoes the story I hear a lot. Like so many people kind of have that art is always their safe place Mm -hmm. and growing up with that. And then I totally relate to trying, pushing against teaching. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Wait a second. (laughs) Well, especially if you see it growing up. I mean, I just Mm -hmm. remember my mother was a, the the irony of it is that she would have told you that she wasn't creative. She was very creative, just not in the arts, Mm -hmm. but she taught micro and macro economics, AP. (laughs) and comparative (laughs) governments and all like these really tough like her her master's Mm -hmm. degree was in economics from the university of delaware and i think yeah that's not how my brain like our brains were (laughs) wired very differently but she recognized and and actually Mm -hmm. later after my mom passed away she never told us this but she apparently was going to be an opera singer and my my aunts told me all about it later and i'm like how did i not know that she was in the arts as well like Mm -hmm. she apparently was an amazing singer and she she majored in music before she switched to teaching and all the, wow. the yeah government and economics so oh. so now I understand a little bit more about why she was so supportive of the arts yeah mm, that's beautiful yeah and then Matt your journey <laughs> well I I mean it, it's very related to everyone else mm-hmm. I I grew up in a family where both of my parents were educators as well <laughs> my mom was an elementary <laughs> teacher my dad was a high school teacher as well as a coach mm-hmm. I didn't know that I would I well I didn't want to become a teacher of course as we all you know push against mm-hmm. it but I was more of the builder. I was more of the maker. One of the things I, I strongly credit to my father was the fact that he allowed us to be in the garage all the time and to be, mm-hmm. you know, building things, making things, cutting things, nailing them, stapling them, whatever it was that you were building or making. But his rule was always make sure it gets put back in place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my love has always been the the combination of art and music. And what I wanted to do was, I I think originally, my goal was to become a graphic designer. And especially in the idea of like album cover design and and CD covers and posters and, and advertising for music. And so, you know, that's where I really kind of lost myself was in the not lost, but I would find myself being so engaged in listening to music and, and making art at the same time. And my mom was very much a, a proponent that my dad was very athletic. And so we would all be in some kind of activity, but we would also have to have some kind of arts, whether it was theater, whether it was music, whether it was drawing or, or whatever art you know that was, but you had to balance them both out. You couldn't just be one or the other. So that was a bit of a compromise that they agreed to have when, you know, when they got to that point of having kids. And so I went through, I I know I did uh, struggle with learning a lot, but I didn't Mm -hmm. realize, and I don't think it was ever really truly diagnosed. And I think that that became, once I went to college, once I graduated from there and became (laughs) finally, finally hit over the head many, many times with the idea of teaching, because I found myself being able to explain things in a way that made people understand them a little bit better. And so mm-hmm. I, I was kind of was like, oh, that's what I need to be doing. I need to be focusing more on how 
to get kids engaged that you know who who've kind of been told that they're or been shown that they're not as smart or they're not as mm. you know this or that and and in a way I mean I just had a conversation yesterday with a kid that was like oh I'm kind of understanding this more you know more now and it started to make sense with like other subject areas. And so that, you know, that kind of became how I fell into teaching, I think. Or was pushed. <laughs> <laughs> fell or strongly, strongly guided, let's say. Um, yes. I will say that his parents and I all saw it and we just had to let him go through you the know journey. you have to learn you have to learn but, the things on your own and that's kind of i think my mom me his parents we all saw this amazing teacher in him and mm-hmm. i i know that there was a little like are you sure <laughs> this is what you want i think you'd be a great teacher like all the time all four of us uh, were like oh and i know that this one time after laura and i had graduated from college we moved to California for a little while and there was a point where Laura was teaching middle school and she had started yearbook and Mm -hmm. there was a student that was in there who was the the son of one of the other teachers that she was doing yearbook with and I sat down and started kind of explaining something to them and later the the parent was like he should really become a teacher. Mm-hmm. That would be, he, he explained that so well and he was so patient. And, and so I think that's kind of when I was like, maybe, maybe I should. <laughs> oh, so. Hearing it from like another outside source. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And, that's, and I thank Carol for that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a bit of my journey and, and kind of my roundabout way that I came into teaching. So yeah. And then do you still make art? Are you still creating and Oh, absolutely. Dabbling in the garage? Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> um, just finished redoing our, our kitchen. We were trying to save some money. So we decided that we were going to repaint all of our cabinets and even trying to find somebody to paint our cabinets for us to try to save time was way the, the price range was way too big so we were like mm-hmm. okay well let's let's try something and see if it works and if it doesn't then it doesn't and then we'll <laughs> you know go somewhere else but it it you know for the time being it looks pretty good it so. looks great <laughs> and you know, no i will say this about matt he doesn't sit still i learned that from my dad my dad was not <laughs> he was not that kind of person he just so our family just went through the COVID nonsense and mm. all five of us ended up having it. It was crazy. But oh, he, no. he gets it. And does he rest? No. Yes, I did. I rested for three days. No, he d- there was no laundry left. There was which like, I am not complaining. I just kept saying, you need a rest. You need a rest. And like, but he was doing laundry. He was tinkering around with fixing things around the house. He was sketching in his sketchbook. Like there was no like he does not stop. That's just who he is. Yeah. yeah. His journal's crazy. He's friends with all those journal fodder guys. And like it's huge once i once i learned another way to use a journal because i had to really break down the stereotype in my head of oh it's a journal it's a diary it's a place Mm -hmm. to divulge your deepest darkest secrets and that was it you know because as i mentioned earlier i i really struggled in school especially Mm -hmm. with processing you know and having to really think through and having that that time to think through as far as responses go and, mm. you know, 
And once I realized much later, once I realized that all, and I saw how these journals, other ways that these journals were being used, I saw it really appealing to my making side and to, I'm a very big mixed media person, you know, collage, uh, basically everything kind of mixing into one doodling and sketching and all of that stuff just kind of being condensed into everything. And that's where I think that's, you know, where we really, or at least I do really pull that in, especially in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I hear, so I want to get back to visual journaling in a little <laughs> yes. bit, but I also hear in both of your journeys, your paths, this, struggling in school a bit. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that informs your teaching, like if that comes into the way you work with students. Uh, yes. So we're both nodding our head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you, I know the listeners can't see it, but we're like emphatically nodding. Uh, it, it was huge for me. I think the difference mm -hmm. in our journeys, at least as as youngsters, was that I just said youngsters. youngsters. I'm really old. Um, <laughs> cane. Ooh, uh, as young people <laughs> was that my mom had an affinity for, for learning about learning disabilities and things like that. And going back to the kitchen floor, like when she would work with mm. me on reading at a very young age, she recognized immediately that I was dyslexic. So mm. I, it, you know, and just for our listeners, I hope people understand it's not just transversing and reversing and, you know, manipulating letters in a different way. It's really about how we process sounds and, and blends of reading mm. and those kinds of things. And, you know, one of the things I struggle with when we do a podcast is names because I have so, I can't hear those sounds. Mm. It's really hard for me to blend words together that I'm not familiar with. So anyways, that's it's dyslexia and it's written expression. I was just very lucky. I was diagnosed in first grade, which is not a normal, like a lot of people have to wait till they're much older. And mm. so I, and then I went to a, actually took a year out. My mom put me in a school that was just for kids with learning disabilities. And it was like this Montessori Herman method drawing with flashlights, drawing in the sand, just like amazing it was a really great experience. And then I had to go back to public school because we couldn't afford that. Um, oh. <laughs> I know, but it, it was huge, right? So like I had a lot of support and mm. I was taught to be my own advocate and I was taught that dyslexia is just a part of the journey and that it's it really is a strength, not a hindrance. It's just mm. learning about how your brain works and that that's everybody's brain works differently, right? So I, the messaging I got was maybe a little different just because I, I knew about it mm -hmm. from a very young age. And I knew that that was part of how I wanted to embrace my students and really welcome them and let them know that mm -hmm. we all have these different brains and we all process everything differently. And the uniqueness of our brains is one of the most beautiful things, right? And, you know, I started teaching when we didn't have projectors in the classroom like computer projectors we had overheads and chalkboards <laughs> <Right>. like <laughs> I, I still had a chalkboard not a dry erase and mm -hmm. so I would you know write things on the board or on the over overhead projector and the kids would be like hey Miss Page that was my main name you spelled something something wrong I'm like oh great thanks for pointing that out like I always get a like, positive spin. the positive mm -hmm. part like thanks for helping me I wouldn't have caught that like that's not something yeah. you know and so I wanted just to make sure that all my kids had a space that was they knew they were accepted 
for whatever learner they were mm. and that that was okay, you know, and I did, even in my master's program, I did a lot of extra coursework in special education just because I felt, and, and, and when I was an assistant principal, I sat in a lot of e- IEP meetings. I almost said EIP, um, <laughs> IEP meetings where I, I would just fight for kids because I mm. felt like that was something I had a true empathy and understanding for you know mm-hmm. so i still feel that way i'm there's some things that like even as an administrator at the district level i mean my whole team right now we're working on a, a process of kind of revamping access to the fine arts for all students especially mm-hmm. learners that have a variety of needs mm-hmm. and we're just we're doing a deep dive into that like how does that look for kids across our 72 schools mm-hmm. are they all having the same access to all fine arts not just cuz i work in the fine arts department so are they you yeah. know if a child with down syndrome wants to be in theater do they have access to that and are we making mm-hmm. sure that they can access that in a way that is fundamentally successful for them and i'm not saying we're not providing that i'm just saying we're doing a deep dive to make sure that that is happening yeah. in every place. So I could go on and on. Matt always says I talk. <laughs> I, I do the majority of the talking. <laughs> so, but that's no. so important. I love hearing that those deep dives. Like it's been interesting for me to do some of those in different areas. And even when it's a thing, you you're like, I think we're doing a pretty decent job here. Right. But let's mm-hmm. make sure. Like, yeah. And I out. think I think that yeah. that's really important. Like I think we. Mm-hmm. As teachers and as administrators, you know, as much as we trust that our teachers are doing the best they can, sometimes the systems in place prevent, you know, well-meaning systems, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. those well-meaning systems prevent the access that we really want for kids. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, it's helpful to reevaluate those systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think it's, you know, kind of important to piggyback off of what Laura was saying to use... Mm -hmm. The things that we found as our struggles, you know, growing up Mm -hmm. and really being able to show kids how we embrace them. I mean, there's I I teach middle school now. I originally taught elementary school and I started to see it more and more as I was coming towards the end of teaching elementary school. But I now am finding more and more myself being more open with my students as far as telling them about, you know, the fact that. I have and that I struggle with ADD and that I I really didn't understand it or be diagnosed with it until almost after I graduated from college. And that's something it's mm. it's really crazy because I <laughs> I didn't realize it. And until we until our our oldest son was being diagnosed with it. And I started mm. really not just, oh, I got distracted. No, I, I like really started realizing, oh, this stuff was really affecting me in a way, and I didn't realize that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that I put in place is to kind of help all students, not just ones who have accommodations for breaking things up into, you know, chunking up the information or what I do with my journals is I alternate prompts every day where they're drawing one day or they're making a list or they're writing something down mm-hmm. because I have found myself really getting better at at organization whereas as i know and reflecting on it now that (laughs) i really struggled with that as far as Mm. when is this coming up or you know this assignment being due or you know these whatever it was you know needing to meet a particular deadline and so like i said that i i'm noticing more and more that kids are becoming more and more comfortable with that as we 
as we practice that. I mean, the, the, the journal stuff is something that we practice, that we instill as a practice in our classroom, mm-hmm. or at least in mine. So, well, and yeah, I will absolutely. say, I, as the coordinator, I'm loving, we have actually infused journals across the district K through 12, mm-hmm. and I am loving seeing how our teachers, all of the teachers are using them. And a lot of them, I do see kids really starting to understand, oh, I need to plan the, I mean, like I need to think through this process. Like I need to give myself some think time, right? Instead of just jumping into Mm. the art making, Mm. which I think helps a lot of our learners that need that help with processing, right? Especially kids with executive function issues. And I, I think Matt and I would be remiss if we didn't say like, this is this is ongoing for both of us. It's ongoing mm-hmm. for um, we, you know, we're parents of three kids and two of them have significant learning and we hate the uh, hate is a strong word. I just like the word disability. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's a disability. I feel like it's a different ability. Yeah. And a so learning challenge. It's a challenge because it doesn't fit in the box, but mm-hmm. but some of the gifts that you get from it are, are beautiful. Right. So our son who has uh, executive function ADHD. He also has, he got the, he got both of us. So he's got <laughs> ADHD and uh, written expression things and dysgraphia. Mm-hmm. That's a one that neither of us like, no, we were like what? what, where'd mm-hmm. that come from? Um, mm-hmm. So he, and he's left-handed. So like it's, oh. it's been all the things. So he's mm-hmm. incredibly bright and creative and I like his ideas. He generates these and he's a storyteller. So mm-hmm. he is our actor and he has these beautiful gifts. Like if you were to, if he could take a standardized test orally and not have to write anything mm-hmm. down, he'd pass them every time. But that's not the way our world works. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the, you know, things that we work mm-hmm. with. And then, you know, we actually, our youngest is, she's more of like the twice exceptional kid. She's dyslexic, but she's also on the gifted side of things. Mm-hmm. And so, in a weird sort of way, she's the kind of kid that puts all this crazy pressure on herself. And mm-hmm. so we have to work with that, too. Like, it's OK to just be OK. Like, you don't mm-hmm. always have to be perfect like she and we don't. That's not how we roll. So we're, no. we're that's a new thing for us. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think and then our middle child, she's just kind of our hey, just I'm just along uh, for the ride along for the ride wherever you um, feel like going I'll go with you sure. and she struggles with math significantly mm-hmm. so you know it's it's just it's interesting from a parenting side of it now versus just being teachers yeah. you know well it was really interesting when we first went into lockdown two years ago and mm-hmm. we were all at home and all of the children were learning online only mm-hmm. and it was kind of cool because I saw our middle child really struggling with math. And Mm -hmm. then I kind of, you know, when I had a a break to be able to like in between a class or in between instruction or whatever, Mm -hmm. I would be able to work with her and got to the point where we were actually drawing through some of our Mm -hmm. math stuff, you know, and and all of a sudden she was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I could see her like her creative brain kind of going, oh, that's mm-hmm. what that means because she'd be like, okay, well, we're in fractions or we're doing this or that. And it was always interesting to me because throughout middle school and high school, I I struggled with algebra, but I mm-hmm. did really well with geometry. And mm-hmm. I think that's just that creative brain of building and making mm-hmm. that spatial aspect really 
made the most sense. Whereas the algebra stuff was like, didn't, <laughs> didn't get it. But I bet yeah. if I were to be able to create some kind of visual, I probably would have been able to understand it better. So yeah, I, w- I was always that's where my brain broke when like letters got involved. I was like, what are you, <laughs> you don't belong here. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Math is just numbers. Yeah, that's that's actually Owen and I were just having that conversation because he's an algebra one and he's like, I ah." he said that exact same thing the other day in the car. He's like, Why did the letters come into this? I don't know. I I, on that note though, I that one of the gifts of of the lockdown, the pandemic, that portion, Mm -hmm. and it was a little shorter here in Texas than it was in other states, but I I think we really got a better insight of of how our children and how they learn and how Mm -hmm. they work with their schooling and Mm -hmm. online school for our oldest is not a thing. Like that's not, he -hmm. he has to be with people. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's so, like he had COVID, so he had to be home 10 days and that just didn't work for him. His, all, Mm -hmm. all of his grades went way down because- Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just so now we're playing catch up. But yeah, you know, I think all of life is a, I always joke that it's the roller coaster in that scene in Parenthood where the dad's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's us. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, I love how you talked about sort of the world not being built for these kids and mm-hmm. helping. It sounds like a lot of your work as a parent, but also as a teacher is helping kids navigate this world Mm -hmm. that's really like not built for them. And it's not that they have, you know, like shortcomings. It's that they're built differently than the world, the systems in place (laughs) don't Mm -hmm. support the way their brains work. I mean, because Um, especially at that really crucial time of, you know, late elementary school, you know, if you're talking mm -hmm. fourth, fifth grade, all the way up to high school, I had the blessing and curse last year to be teaching not only middle school, but I was split and I was teaching high school as well. And I was teaching 11th mm-hmm. and 12th graders. And that was that was an interesting insight, too. But even that that whole gap of children were really, you know, seeing themselves as having these deficiencies or having these mm-hmm. places that they were not meeting and they were they were kind of almost feeling bad about it mm-hmm. but what it what I've learned and what I've been able to teach or at least I think is you know hey try this other way or try this mm-hmm. in a different way and then kids are you know I'm I'm seeing more kids be like oh that makes more sense and you still end up in the same at the same point you know yeah, yeah. you probably go around it or it'll take a little bit longer to get there but you still end up at the same point or you still end up, mm-hmm. you know, meeting that. And so I think that's that's the thing. It's not so much that we have to teach them all the same way. It's just the fact that we have to teach them additional ways, not just mm-hmm. this one. So, And I think yeah. my role in that regard, because, you know, looking at it like the bigger picture is I, I have to advocate to parents and to the teachers that we've got to show kids that there are so many creative careers out there that mm-hmm. that you know there's not a box at all the box doesn't exist but yeah. we have to get them there right like so mm-hmm. I you know I can remember when I taught actually I wasn't teaching I was it was when I first got this job as as the art coordinator and I was just visiting campuses and that's the joy and I don't get to do it enough but being mm-hmm. around kids is one of the things that's just 
I miss so much. But I ran into a classroom to drop something off with a teacher and this this kiddo was working in her she was working on a project but she had her sketchbook out and I just was drawn to her immediately and I said, Can I sit down with you? And I I remember sitting down with her and I said, Do you mind if I look through your your sketchbook? And she said, No, just go ahead. And so I started looking through it and I'm like, This is phenomenal. And she was a ninth grader. And I said, what are you going to take next year? Like, what's the what's the path? What art class are you going to take? And because it was on point like that, you could tell not only did she have gifts, but she had she had drive and passion for making art. You could just see it. Mm. And she said, well, I'm not taking any art next year. I'm just this is my art class to fulfill my fine arts credit for high school graduation. And I said, why is that? I, I can see that you love this. And she said, oh, I do. I really wish I could. <laughs> But my parents want me to go pre-med and they don't see art as being Mm. part of the puzzle, right? Like they didn't Mm. see the benefit of taking art because she needed to be pre-med. And this is a ninth grader, ninth grade. Like she could, you know, you know, and I, I just, so I go back to that advocacy with parents and having to explain to them that the arts provide so many tools for whatever you decide to go into whatever Mm -hmm. career you just path it is but that there are lots of well-paying creative careers I mean even if you look at the economy in a lot of states like California so much of the economy is driven by the creative arts right Mm -hmm. but that's the advocacy that leadership needs to get out there and to have those Mm -hmm. state-of-the-arts meetings with parents to get the word out to work with PTA to help them see that there's so many pathways for kids that there's not just pre-med or being a lawyer or you know being you know just that there's there's so much to and Mm -hmm. and new jobs are being created every day in the creative arts so I think yeah I think that that's that's part of my challenge in my role is to how do I get that message out there to parents and to teachers to help them mm-hmm. see that? Well, you know. I mean, many students come into an art class thinking either, oh, I'm really good at drawing, so I'm going to become an artist, or I'm not good at drawing. I'm just here for the fine art credit. And mm-hmm. it's always interesting to see students, especially now with this kind of newer curriculum that we have of infusing the journal of of infusing the 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 note taking and the thinking process and all of that mm. how those kids at first came in thinking oh I'm not really good at drawing so I'm just kind of here for the credit that they actually do leave with a little bit more excitement with a little bit mm-hmm. more almost respect for how hard art really can be and it's mm-hmm. not just this easy blow off class that you're just there to learn how to draw or paint or, you know, those things. So. And I see so much space in between this, like art doesn't matter and I'm going (laughs) to be an artist or even like, I'm going to be in a creative career. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of in, there's a lot of space in the middle there where maybe you're not going into a creative career, but the things you learn in the art room can inform and help all of the other subjects. Oh, you know, absolutely. It's creative thinking, critical thinking, problem solving, all these things that are essential for anything you go into. Well, yeah, it's even really that, the, the little pre med yeah. kiddo, I was like, think about all the observation skills the doctor needs. <laughs> yeah. I don't want you looking at me unless you have great observational skills. And, and yeah, you know, I mean, you go you into think a, through the process. You go into a mm-hmm. business where you're, a, let's say you're a salesperson, you've got to be able to pick up on context clues about 
reading people and understanding body language that if you mm. just go into a business, you're not going to know that. You're not going to understand mm. that. And just by looking and talking about artwork that, you know, we sometimes don't even give the information about the artwork. You know, we don't say, oh, this is a piece of art done by so-and-so. It was done at this time. This is what they were trying to do. And just letting them think about it and come up with their mm -hmm. own ideas. That's where that critical thinking, that's where that that social interaction comes into play. And that's where it's very crucial. I mean, we also talk about curating. You know, mm -hmm. curating mm -hmm. doesn't just have to mean that you're only curating artwork you could be curating mm -hmm. your your closet out of clothes that you don't right. need anymore mm -hmm. or video games you don't play anymore and mm -hmm. it's always interesting because kids are like oh well i do that i'm like yeah you're curating yeah. then you're curating <laughs> your your closet and so kids mm -hmm. are like oh <laughs> well you can That's think in composition like <laughs> our artsy middle daughter she's our visual artist like she's constantly putting outfits together like talk mm -hmm. about composition mm -hmm. right so you have to learn how yeah. colors go together. Yep. You have to learn how patterns work or don't work together. <laughs> or don't work together. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I love mean, that. And then with journaling, I feel like journaling is a great way to help make those connections to yes. see, like you talked about list making and, and sort of mm -hmm. note taking what I picture, you know, journaling as like a diary and a, a place mm -hmm. to add notes, but then to add the visuals to it. Maybe this is just on my mind, because I was trying to write some lessons about <laughs> connecting visual journaling to other subjects. But I'm wondering if that sort of new journaling curriculum that you're working with, if that has those sort of built in, like, how do you bring science into this? I, how do you bring? It, yeah. Well, so that's something like, so curriculum design is never finished. Like that's, that's right. something. So, I mean, one of my primary roles as the district coordinator and currently it's K through 12. We don't have a pre-K curriculum yet. Yeah. You know, his, I think... Well, I think in big picture and vertical terms, right? So mm -hmm. one of the things that I've really started to lean into and that we've put throughout our curriculum is this idea that even when you're lesson planning, you need to have the look and think, the plan mm -hmm. and create, and then the reflect and share. Mm -hmm. So every lesson plan, and then that's that's the same terminology or process that you would use with the kids so that they mm -hmm. really understand that it's a process, right? And that journal is really that huge half of that process because it's, you use it during your look and think, you use it during your planning. You're still referring to it when you're creating because, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know, you have your journal open while you're creating. So, you know, I would say the majority of the process and, and even in the reflect, you can go back to the journal and write the reflection, right? right? So without the journal, it, it really feels like we're missing this huge thing. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny how some of our teachers have really embraced the idea of visual journaling and then some have been really resistant and wanted, mm -hmm. you know, and they don't like the term visual, visual journaling. journaling. Yeah, They want to call it a sketchbook, sketchbook uh -huh. or a process yeah. journal. And I'm like, I really don't care what you call it as long as you're doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I really, it's, it's uh, funny to me, but I'm like, you know, as long as you, you call it something. And so 
we've done a really, I think, good job of creating a kind of a guided visual journal K through five, but mm. for, and, and again, I mean, it's just, there's one of me, 96 teachers, 70 schools, like we do the best we can, like I put mm-hmm. the pieces, but also I have to trust them. Like they know their yeah. kids, they know their, what their needs are. They're creative, they're practitioners every day in the classroom. I have to trust mm-hmm. them. So like there is a very, you know, there's a guided visual journal K through five that gives them mm-hmm. a really good sense of like, okay. And it's actually linked to all of our units, but that's a lot of work and I haven't gotten it done yeah. with six yeah. through 12 yet. Right. Like that just hasn't mm-hmm. happened. So we've done a lot of professional development around journaling and how to use mm-hmm. it and how you can connect it. We also have a really good connection with some of the museums around here. And one of the museum educators has just been a gem. She's Carolyn Armbruster putting it out to her because she worked her master's degree and she did all of her um, internship at the National Gallery. And Mm -hmm. so she is dynamic with artful thinking. So Mm -hmm. she's come in and she's helped us with those look and thinks. And we have, she and I have curated different artists to connect to every unit. Mm -hmm. And we have the artful thinking that's connected Mm -hmm. to the look and think. And then that's something you can pull into the journal. And in those artful Mm -hmm. thinkings, we do connect to all the different subject areas. So Mm -hmm. like you could be looking at like theaster gates Okay, so you could be looking at Theaster Gates and you could be looking at all these community projects that he's done and you could be thinking about the environmental impact. So you could be thinking about the science connections. You could be thinking about the social studies connections, the social justice connections like those all of that brought into that one artful thinking routine which is mm. part of your look and think. Sorry, I get really excited about this stuff. <laughs> I love it. I'm it's really great. nerdy about it. But um, so like I think that yeah. we we've tried to infuse examples of that but I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. that it's explicitly written into the curriculum Mm -hmm. that I have Mm -hmm. to just rely on amazing teachers to to pull it in well I mean I I think it naturally lends itself you know you were just saying how to tie in science into art my father was a high school earth science teacher and Mm -hmm. even though and I say this all the time even our family trips we're not always the most fun because I always turned into science lessons, but <laughs> that knowledge at the time, I didn't appreciate it. But now I'm noticing and seeing the connections naturally come together. They naturally happen. Mm-hmm. And there are so many times I will pull in those kind of references and resources that my dad taught to me. And mm-hmm. kids are like, wait, that's science. You're, you're talking science stuff or you're talking math stuff. I mean, you think about all the vocabulary that we use in art that mm. is math related or that, you know, the, the concepts are Symmetry, science related, radial, you know, and yeah. they're so related to each other that it just naturally works that way. And yeah. we always are ready to say, oh, we can only talk about science in science class. We can only talk about art in art class. We can only talk, mm-hmm. but they just naturally do. They just naturally yeah. go to that. I mean, you think about a journal that a uh, scientist carries around with them, their field journals, those things have diagrams in them. They have, yeah. you know, models that they have to look and observe at a particular plant or a, mm-hmm. you know, the anatomy when they had to do, you know, they had to, to mark out the anatomy of a cadaver. Or they would, you know, they would have to draw those things and know what they look like. 
And so those are all those skills. So they all lend themselves together. So anyway, yeah. sorry. I get really excited about that. that part of it. So I will say, yeah. I mean, it's like we barely have time to work on it, but Matt and I are working on kind of a, a guided journal for both teachers and students that mm. we hope to publish someday. And so just because we are so passionate about the journaling process and the idea mm. of like how important it is to the art making process, just to give, it's also, I mean, I use it as a social emotional tool, I, you know, our, one of our kids has swim practice three, sometimes four times a week, and it's not nearby. So I take her, mm. I sit in the car and I journal. And it's, I think it's not therapy, but it's like a tool, right? Like it's a tool mm -hmm. for me to think through all the the stuff, you know, life mm -hmm. oh, it's in therapy. general is, it's therapy. <laughs> it's therapy. Yeah, it's therapy. I it's use therapy. that way too. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I think mm -hmm. that that's, that's another piece of it is like, yes, it connects mm -hmm. all of all of the curricular areas, but it also becomes like a safe space. And I've mm -hmm. learned a lot from one of my friends, Amy Simifero, who started journaling uh, when we were teaching together back in like early like 2002, 2003. And, you know, she really taught me how to to use it more as like a tool for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a piece of the puzzle as well Is like, we have to teach our kids that they're, they can have this safe space as well. That's just theirs. Mm -hmm. And even like, if they want to use their journal for that, we should, we say, you know, then you staple those pages together or you paper clip those pages together so that your teacher's not looking at that piece, or you have a separate mm -hmm. journal for that. That's another mm -hmm. thing like you can have a class journal and you can have a journal just for yourself. But, yeah. you know, teaching them some of those tools is really important. But yeah, Matt and I, we actually have it started, which is Ooh. we've been talking about it forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now we're trying to get a couple chapters done so that we can find a publisher. Wow. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out. Let me know when yes. <laughs> when, oh. when it happens. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it took this long to at least get this this far. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But then well, I'm still going to say when, not okay. if. Right. All right. Yeah. Yes. And if you yes. put it out in the universe, it's, it's more likely to happen. Yes. Like we're big believers right. of like, put all that out in the universe. And when you say it out loud, it's going to manifest into something that's something. real. Yeah. yeah. Well, that also kind of leads me into... You know, you've talked about your teaching careers, admin now uh, for Laura, three kids, still making your own work. How do you manage all of this? How do you? <laughs> we laugh a lot. Uh, yeah. You have to. Um, Our so. good friend Jason Blair says we need a reality TV show. He's like. The Grunlers. He's like, I yeah. don't know. Like, you guys are ridiculous. And we are. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, uh, yeah, I. We stop to think about it and we don't even know how we do it sometimes. So we're out here in Texas without like family. Mm -hmm. It's Matt and I. And early on. So we met in Colorado and then we did this crazy like we're going to California. And we we learned how to rely on each other from the mm. very beginning. And we've been married It'll be 20 years in June, but we've been together Ooh. 23. Wow. So um, I, I learned is funny because I was modeled that. So I don't yeah. mean to interrupt, but I was actually modeled this from my own parents because my parents moved. They were originally from Pennsylvania, moved out to California and into Arizona where there wasn't there wasn't family. And so mm -hmm. that was something that was really modeled to me. And I knew and I knew the importance of that in in a relationship that it it is having to rely on each other and mm -hmm. that's something we instill in our own kids too 
Yeah, I think when we say Team Grundler, we really mean it. Like that's that's <clears> a really big like we could not survive without each other at this point. <laughs> but, but I will, you know. But we have been in Texas since 2002, and we've developed a community. A community you know, like mm-hmm. we have this art family. We have we have an adopted Nana that's here. Like oh. she's she's a, a retired <laughs> teacher that. that we. She's love. a retired art teacher, <laughs> and oh. she's a she's a master weaver, and oh and mm-hmm. she's she is our children's Nana Chris. Like because they don't have a Nana here, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we we definitely. I mean, Amy is like an aunt to them. Like, and she was my teaching partner when I first came here in Texas. So, you know, you need just like one of the counselors at one of the high schools is their godmother. We just have built a family around us that, you know, when we have to, we reach out and say, help. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, I think it's it's the communication between Matt and I and the kids. We have family meetings like they're old enough Mm -hmm. now. They're 15, 11 and nine. And we have a regular family meeting to talk about well this isn't working right now so we've got to change it up we've got to help each other like and they see us we talk about a lot of times like are we doing too much we reevaluate mm-hmm. that we reflect on that and we think yeah. about you know is is the podcast too much is the chat too much mm-hmm. like it does take a lot of time away from family but at the same time when we get the the emails or the letters from teachers that say you've changed my thoughts about teaching and the things I'm doing Mm. with my students are are so much more impactful right now because of this or Mm. that that I heard from you then we're like well we we can't stop (laughs) (laughs) you know and so but we have to reflect on that all the time like as the Mm. kids get older they're doing more right Mm -hmm. so like Mm. how how do you manage all of it and how do you you know and and I will say shout out to Davis Publishing because that was one thing we had to really think like we can't continue to do this on our own. We want mm-hmm. to keep it going, but we can't do it on our own. So we reached mm-hmm. out. Davis was the first one we thought of just because of their their history. Their history and and really their philosophy of our education was re- like that matters to us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we reached out to them and said, you know, we're looking for a partner with this podcast. Do you, what do you think? And they were mm-hmm. like, let's talk. <laughs> and they've yeah. they've great. been magical in the sense that you know taking that stress off they do all the editing and the Mm -hmm. images and things like that so that's been really helpful and trying to find solutions like that um Mm -hmm. I don't know it's not easy it's it's not easy (laughs) like I don't I'm not gonna lie like it's not it's a little crazy it's a little chaotic yeah I I, I can't juggle. really add yeah. I can't really add a whole lot to that. So uh. yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, Matt is the and I I need a shout out to Matt because like in terms of I, I, we haven't really talked about it, but the Twitter side of things, the social media side of things, he he still uses all of his graphic design skills. He's on mm. in he's in Adobe all the time, creating images for the chats and doing all of that and doing all the scheduling of all the social media. Like he's the mm. backbone of That's so much lot. of that. While I'm trying to get kids here and there he's like on the computer doing all the other stuff like Mm. that's what we mean by partnership like we we Mm kind of know each other's strengths and we we have to work with that Mm -hmm. yeah well I love also just you know you talked about bringing the journal with you when you're waiting Mm -hmm. in swim practice (laughs) yes all of those like there's no wasted moment 
but also taking the time to reflect and like build in some rest and build mm-hmm. in like, wait, this isn't working. What can yeah. we change? Well, well I mean, yeah. I think that's that piece. You know, I, I said it sort of jokingly, but sort of honestly, it is therapy. I mean, my dad passed away two years ago and mm-hmm. I used my journal as a way to really reflect, especially when his health was not going well before mm-hmm. he passed away. I, I flew out to Arizona for a week before he passed away. And I was every night, my routine was, you know, I was adding stuff into the journal throughout the day, but then going back and kind of adding to it and working more on it got me really reflective and processing it to, to the point where when he did pass away, I was in a little bit better of a place. Yes, I was still sad mm-hmm. about it. Yes, I was still very upset by it. But mm-hmm. I was in a better place than, you know, than I could have been. So well, and, yeah. you know, about seven or eight years ago, I was diagnosed with RA, which has now been changed to a different diagnosis of, of it's called ankylosing spondylitis. It's like this blah, 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 blah. But, you know, we've had to figure out how to manage all kinds of things like that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a joint disease. It's, I've mm-hmm. had to have several knee surgeries, a foot surgery, oh. and it, it it's a deterioration of your, of your joints and, mm. you know, trying to just work through how do we, that too, like, you know, when you're physically exhausted, how do you manage all of it? And I will say the journaling was key to that. And it was key to me actually pushing to find the right doctors and the right rheumatologist mm-hmm. and, and at this point, the right medicine, like that's mm-hmm. just the persistence. And I, I think of anything, Matt and I just have persistence. <laughs> like we're, we're, and, and, I, I don't want us to sound like eternal optimist. I think that, that we are realists, but I do mm. think that there is, you know, our middle daughter's middle name is hope. Like I really, mm. I really believe in hope. I really believe mm. that, yeah, it might be dark right now, but the sun will come up later, you know, mm-hmm. and line from Annie the sun will come up tomorrow <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry everyone I'm of that generation yep. I don't know where that came from but um <laughs> but I do I think that that's part of it all right like that you know mm-hmm. yeah it can be it can get really sucky at times <laughs> yeah it just can but yeah, there's always hope there's mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. something better around the corner mm-hmm. and holding on to that helps you through those oh yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so oh, yeah beautiful Well, I feel like that's a hopeful place (laughs) to push us into kind of last questions. I always like to ask a couple of questions. So one very broad one, what are you curious about? And you can tag team this or you can each like kind of go your separate ways. (laughs) So do you mean like curious in terms of just the universe or curious in terms of teaching or art or... Education Could be any of those. I like leaving it open. Like I, especially moving with. towards choice in teaching. I'm like, let's yeah. just give these huge open-ended mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll yeah. say this is kind of a, a funny thing that Matt. So yeah, it's our 20th year of being married. And so mm-hmm. one of our resolutions or not, I'm not a big resolution. Not resolution. It's not really a resolution, but just 
something we wanted to focus on this year was just each other. Like, are we, mm. are we maintaining our, our relationship or, you know, we don't want to become the people, the parents that are just like in the routine of like, take the kids to swim and take the blah, 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 you know, and just mm. the roommates, like that's not us. So to foster our relationship, we, I wanted to be more curious about us. So, mm. you know, in, 23 years of being together people change people grow ideas change and so we just got a like a planner like a you know like a, a daily weekly monthly. weekly monthly planner and yeah. uh we're filling it out like every other day like i write a question and then he answers it and then he mm. writes a question and i answer it so like it's this so hopefully by the end it'll be a year of like and some of them are crazy questions. Like they're just like, <laughs> if somebody gave you a thousand dollars, you know, un like you could basically do anything with it. What would it be? You know, things like mm -hmm. that, where it's just they could be really silly or they could be really deep and and reflective. So it's just kind of a, mm -hmm. a variety of things. So. so my curiosity has been about my husband. <laughs> uh. And I love how it also comes back to that sort of journaling practice. Yes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Of course. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, my I think the things that I'm curious about is, you know, yes, I, I love the fact I wasn't I wasn't going to be the cheesy person. It's like, uh -huh. and mine is you. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't expect for it. me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, thanks. You know, mine has really been to really focus on improving my organizational side, especially mm. in the classroom. I'm now full-time at one particular campus where I'm starting kind of from scratch with my whole you know, art program. And I refer mm. to it as a program. I know it sounds very sport-oriented, but it, it, it is. It's, it's something that you build. And I'm taking on a lot more of mentorship kind of positions mm. where I'm helping some other teachers that are new to the district that are new to, you know, the middle school level, which is also helping me personally, because that's helping me to stay better organized. So I can then mm. be a better mentor to help them stay organized. And, you know, that sort of thing is, is it's a two way street and it's a win win for for both of us. So his curiosity is so deep that he went and bought a cricket. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because that he's like, I'm going to figure out how to get organized. this year. I need to get organized. And there's not just one storage closet, but there's two. There's like one really big one and one smaller one. And it was roughly organized, but I'm like, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me mm -hmm. personally. So I'm like, I need to organize this in a way that's going to make sense to me. So we bought a cricket. And I've been curious on making that work. And so far it's, it's, you know, slowly it's a work in progress, but it's been, it's been good. That's yeah. amazing. That must be really fun those... to kind of play with. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. My kids have been like, can you, can you print me out a, a sticker to put on my phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Laura's like, can you print me one to put on my wall? I bottle? haven't figured it out at all. <laughs> like he's, he's so, this is where his brain, his curiosity, like he, he is, it goes back to like that tinkering. Like he's going to mm. keep going until he figures it out. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. But you need both sides. You need, yes. you know, oh, maybe yeah. that's why team Grundler works. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Oh. Okay, fun, silly question. What is okay. your favorite food? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, 
So we live in Texas, and I love Tex-Mex. <laughs> I I really love Tex-Mex. Like I, if if I could choose dinner every night, it would be Tex-Mex. But I also love chocolate, and I also love coffee. I oh so so and we live on coffee. Like oh, that's yeah. the other thing we didn't talk about. The God caffeine mine. intake <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> Like yeah. we both have a large Dunkin' Donut iced coffee with not, us. Not right that now. we're product placing at all. <laughs> no, we just but it's nearby. Yeah. I would say <laughs> it's gonna sound a little bit of a cop out, but I mean, I don't have like one particular type of food. I mean, I know based on the weather can also do that. I know our mm. our kids love grilled cheese, but I love putting a piece of turkey or a piece of ham into that grilled cheese, which for me just makes it that much better. I mean, I grew up on sandwiches, so it was always, I guess, if anything, it would be some <laughs> kind of sandwich, like a yeah. turkey and ham or, or whatever kind of sandwich. So that is his go to. <laughs> <food. laughs> yeah. If we're in a pinch, I'm like, let's grab a sandwich or let's, sandwich you know, time. let's. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. <laughs> and I always think because like there, there's these crazy stories about his parents and like these these summer trips across the we from the desert our... to Pennsylvania and how they would make sandwiches in the back of the van and like there's well, no seatbelts in the van. And... We had we had a big giant cooler that had <laughs> ice and it had peanut butter and jelly and it had you know and that was our it was easy it was inexpensive it was he was raised by teachers i was raised by teachers (laughs) and our family trips were always in the summer and that was that big trip that went from arizona to pennsylvania and and back so phew yeah sandwiches sandwiches yeah uh i so relate to that i feel like i i had a similar childhood (laughs) And it was the 70s, so, you know, <laughs> 70s and 80s. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, um, Somebody told us recently, um, oh, if you have a 19 in front of your number, you're good to go. I think we were. We, IDs. Oh, yeah. We were getting carded and like. They're um, like, oh, you're 19. Oh, you're, oh, you're 19. Mind. You're good. Good. I was like, oh, thanks. My goodness. Another reason to uh, feel old now. Like, yeah. Great. Yeah. That whole. I think it was Cassie Stevens, maybe, who was sharing like 19. Now you're in the night. You were born in the 1900s. <laughs> we're, we're just doing away with decades. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, what? what? <laughs> I'm oh, an yeah. 80s kid. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So, so that's that. I think that that's our uh, foods. I think. I think. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Last couple of things. So I wanted to give you a chance to give sort of shout outs which maybe you don't need because you have your own (laughs) platform where you're doing shout outs a lot. But I know you've mentioned a few people already. Is there anybody who you would want to just shout out and say like this person's helped so much with the career? Oh, gosh. I mean, (laughs) or a bunch of people. Yes, I I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I really think a bunch of people. I mean, I can think of, you know, early on in the the K-12 Twitter realm, you know, people like Tim Needles has been so amazing in the technology. And like, he's kind of been on the a lot for us on the forefront of of Mm -hmm. introducing us to technology, our friends at Adobe for education. I mean, they, Mm -hmm. they've, it's been so great to connect with them. 
I feel like we're on the spot at the Academy Awards. I know. You have to list like all the people. <laughs> I mean, we could to. just, no, I know, but <laughs> well, we... like, I, I think too, like going back, I, you know, of course our parents, I think that mm-hmm. they think I would love, I can't find her. I know she's somewhere in Oklahoma, but <sighs> Mrs. Sharon Harjo, my middle school art teacher, I've uh, mentioned her on our podcast several times, but I, I can't find her anywhere. I'd like, she's uh, not on Facebook and I'm like, uh, there's one like YouTube video where she's talking about her tribal experience and like how important mm-hmm. that was. And that I, I guess if anybody can find Sharon Harjo, let me know. <laughs> I mean, I had a fifth grade teacher, Andrew Bombeck, and he was just this really cool, like fit the stereotype of a really cool surfer dude, had the the longer hair and drove a Carmagia and had a bull snake as our classroom pet. And yeah, I mean, I think uh, so recently, sadly, I lost one of my best mentors, Bert mm-hmm. Smith. He passed away from cancer, but mm-hmm. he was uh, an amazing principal that I had the opportunity to to learn from. I was his assistant principal for just one year, and he just made a huge, profound impact on my leadership. Mm-hmm. Sarah Bonzer, who is our current superintendent, who is um, retiring, and I'm just I'm devastated <laughs> by it because I'm like, don't go. But she was my principal, you know, a lot of our teaching friends like Amy Simifero and Christine Miller and just there's so many people I can't even. David Modler, Sam Peck, Eric Scott, you know, those are all of our the the journal guys who once I found the the masculine side, I guess, if you want to refer to it that way of of journaling, that was, Mm -hmm. you know, I and other ways to use it. And I just, yeah, our kids, our own children. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I just I wish we could go on and on. Um, I know there's more Samantha Melvin. Mm -hmm. Gosh, there's so many people. Our whole K-12 art chat community, all the Mm -hmm. Plano ISD art teachers. They're they're just so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Well, I also want to ask how listeners can connect with you. So I know you have K-12 art chat and that's Mm -hmm. mostly on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's the hashtag people can follow there. Where else can people connect with we you? Have, we have a K-12 Art Chat Instagram as well mm-hmm. as our own personal Instagrams. So, yeah, I mean, so if you want to follow both of us, we're the creativity department. Like that's mm-hmm. that's our, our, we actually have a, what is it called? What? A, our business. Oh, <laughs> a business? <laughs> Like uh, an LLC. Or yes, thank you. It is yeah. an LLC, so, so yeah, because <laughs> so. you know, gotta pay taxes. <laughs> so we are the creativity department. Like if you want to follow both of us, those are so we have combined Instagrams mm-hmm. and Twitter accounts, and then we have our separate ones. And I'm at Grunler Art on both Instagram and uh, Twitter, and then we have a Facebook page for the creativity department, K12 Art Chat. I think if you just Google K12 Art Chat or you'll the creativity us. department, They're, you'll, you'll find us find us yeah we're pretty easy to find and And then then our our podcast which Mm is k12 art chat the podcast so originally it was the creativity department and then when we combined with davis we kind of changed it up a little bit and then you can find all of those episodes our our latest episodes that are k12 art that our chat are on davisart.com um, slash K12 art chat. So there's or wherever that. you find podcasts or wherever you find podcasts <laughs> yeah. like Apple, Spotify, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great one. I have tried to follow along on Twitter. I'm not very good with Twitter <laughs> and it's, 
like the way you have it set up, it's sort of a time, like there's a time where everybody kind of checks in, mm-hmm. right? Do you mm-hmm. want to explain that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. We, we actually found, because we, we struggled with that early on as well. But once we found using, when you log in online, it's called tweetdeck.com and it's oh. all through Twitter and that allows you to set up columns so you can have just a column for the hashtag of K12 Art Chat. So that makes it easier to kind of follow through rather than all, all the, the other, other stuff, all the other stuff be- yeah. getting in the way. But um, I think the idea was for mm-hmm. us, like Facebook is great. And I know that there's the online Facebook teachers, the online art teachers for Facebook, and then there's the art teacher group and all of those things. There's something nice about having a more directed conversation. Mm -hmm. And so that's Mm -hmm. where the Twitter comes in is that you can have a conversation and we're actually going to start using Twitter spaces as well. So you can hear voices and people can talk. So we're going to be testing that out soon, probably in the next couple of weeks, but maybe after the NAEA convention, but basically it's this idea. So we have someone, we, we always find somebody every week that has a topic Mm -hmm. and then they have six questions around that topic. And then everybody just talks about those questions. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the question comes out and it's like Q1 and then you can respond with a one, which means your answer to question one. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just a way to have a conversation around a topic rather than just having an open forum of just mm-hmm. whatever, you know? And it's a great way to build. You know, we talk about community. Mm-hmm. We have this community physically around us that helps out with family and, and everything, really. Yeah. But we also have this amazing community that's online. I mean, we connect with people that are all around the United States and even in other countries, and which blows us away yeah. every time somebody chimes in from somewhere else. We're like, oh Vietnam. my gosh. Yeah. Right. Last week, oh. Vietnam, um, Singapore, there was a in, um, Vietnam and in Australia. Canada. Oh, another shout out. I totally thought about Kathy Hunt. Oh, Kathy Hunt in Australia is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it's so it's and it's a way I think too. like when we started it, you know, things ebb and flow on social media. And we, Mm -hmm. again, going back to kind of the hope, like, we want to keep it positive, like we want it to be a positive community. And I think when you have a directed topic and questions, it's just easier to keep it positive, and not let it become like a rant kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And more learning, like some of our teachers are able to use it as like trade time. So some school districts require learning trade time. So like you have to have so many hours a year where you get learning trade time. Well, you can sit on Twitter in your pajamas in the evening on Thursday nights <laughs> and learn about whatever topic we're talking That's about. 45 minutes right 45 there. 45 minutes, check I mean, the box and an have a record of yeah. it that you can show your principal, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. and that's the other thing we do our best to archive our chats. So like, if you're mm-hmm. not able to do it live, there's two things you can do. You can either look at our Wakelet. If you're not familiar with Wakelet, Wakelet is a, a form online where you can like curate really cool Mm. you can curate different things from online so like if you wanted Mm. to create a wakelet about visual journaling you could put all your resources for visual journaling in that wakelet we happen to use it just to archive 
like so every Thursday night from 8.30 to about 9.15 central time is mm-hmm. when the chat happens. And so what I do is I go in and I capture all those tweets that happened during that chat and I put it in the wakelet. So you can mm-hmm. just go scroll through them and read them in order. Um, in For the that wakelet. particular conversation, right. you can see the resources people shared, the websites, the artists who they were talking about mm-hmm. or whatever. Any so. videos they shared, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then we follow that up with we do a podcast based on that chat with every we talk with the the person that that was the host that for Mm -hmm. that particular chat and we kind of spin it by asking them their questions that they asked all of our participants in the chat and it's just a a fun little 30 minute 45 minute conversation so yeah and that's great they don't always follow each other in order (laughs) that's important to know because not because you have to you know you have to edit the, the podcast and different things. But yeah, they do definitely coincide, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. And it's great to know that it's all kind of archived and you can come back mm-hmm. to it. I know for mm-hmm. me, I've a few times I've caught like bits of the, the live <laughs> chat, but in I'm in Pacific time. So it's like dinner time for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Bedtime, all of the like evening kids stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're so I'm usually to jumping in someday, though. Like I, I two things. <laughs> You, you, we need you to host a, a chat, but uh-huh. we want you on the podcast. Yes. So, like, oh, yeah. we're gonna. Oh, I would this love is reciprocal. To. <laughs> I would love to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can hand off that duty like once in a while to yeah. my husband. <laughs> like, you're well, in charge and, tonight. <laughs> and I will say this, Matt. Like, if you're not super familiar with Twitter, he's again that patience and that teacher comes out because he's oh, like, yeah. let me walk you through this. I will teach you how to do it. And it's all like he schedules all the questions. So like the host, all they really need to do is be there live to respond to the participants. Mm, so he great. makes it super easy on people. Yeah. Well, I'm writing. I was writing down like, okay, tweet deck. I need to figure that yeah. out. Wakelet. Yeah. Like, is that similar to Padlet? I've used Padlet. Um, <laughs> in a way. It's kind of similar. Maybe. It's a little it has different. has the right kind of concept, but it's set up just a tad bit Instead differently. Instead of like, mm-hmm. con- I mean, you can add contributors to it if you want. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. like a Padlet you can do with like all the people Lots in the car. Co- yeah. You can add like if like if I was doing a wakelet for K-12 art chat, I could add the host as a contributor. I could add Matt as a contributor or I could just curate it myself, which is, yeah. yeah. So cool. It's a great I love tool. It. I'm like new tools, new tools. Yes. <laughs> love yeah. that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. We love talking with you. Yeah. It this was really great. fun for us too. We really appreciate Yay. it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.